All righty, grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. And may I say one more time, Merry Christmas. It just never gets old, does it? I mean, that's, that's what we got to do. Hope you're all having a wonderful weekend so far. Um, so I just want to talk about Christmas for a minute, and I just want to be upfront and honest with you, as I always am. And you can probably tell by the gospel readings or the readings that we had this morning that kind of all over the place on this message this morning. I wasn't quite sure where it was going to land. In fact, uh, my family was talking to me last night. They said, do you really have a plan? I said, I almost have a plan. So... It came together this morning, and, th and this is where we landed. Um, I was going to speak on um, what we read in, in Genesis, what Lyle read to us in Genesis, but then I thought, I don't know if that's a Christmas morning message, so we're going to save that, and we're going to actually make a three-part series out of that little section, uh, that gem that comes out of Genesis. So back to the Christmas story. I think it'd be fair to say that most Americans know the basics of the Christmas story. At one time or another, believers or not, we've all heard the elements of Virgin birth, uh, being laid in the manger, the wise men, angels, the shepherds, and all of that. Um, although I, the percentage of people believing that, they tell me it keeps coming down uh, every time we take a survey, so maybe we should just stop taking those surveys. But um, even those who believe every element of the Christmas story, as we do maybe the people in here, um, do we know what the Christmas story is really all about? And I hit on that last night. You know, I hit on that last night and said, you know, this is the crux of that Christmas story. Or as I said last night, the, the why of Christmas. I think we understand the when of Christmas more or less. We understand the who, definitely. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. Um, but I really want to talk about the why of Christmas. And um, Mitch Blom, uh, one of my favorite authors, says that uh, for every story, there's a backstory. There's a story for everything. And he says, even, you know, the pictures hanging in your house, they have a story. Or um, how you got that scar probably has a great story, right? And sometimes those stories are simple. Sometimes they're complex. Sometimes they're heartbreaking. Sometimes they're heartwarming. And I think that we see all of those elements um, in the Christmas story, all of those elements, all those combined. Um, it's simple. It's, it's complex at the same time. It's heartbreaking. It's heartwarming all at the same time. Um, before I get into what I want to talk about this morning, though, I, just like I did last night, I want to give a shout out to our kiddos who had their Christmas pageant. They did an amazing job of, of a, a theme titled, or a song titled, uh, Love Came Down at Christmas. And uh, the words in that song said, the love still comes down at Christmas. So that's, I want to talk about that Christmas story, that simple, complex, that heartwarming story, the story behind uh, the story. Because the Christmas story is a true story. Right, um, it, but there's uh, there's an A.D. a New Testament Christmas story, but there's an Old Testament Christmas story that actually starts where Lyle was reading there um, in Genesis, you know, way back before Bethlehem, way back before the wise men, the manger, the shepherds, all that stuff. But before then, before Christmas was celebrated on earth, it was contemplated, it was thought out um, in heaven. So I've titled the message this morning, um, "Love Came Down." Um, and like I said, my focus this whole time, this Advent series, all, everything we've been talking about, is the why of Christmas. So maybe a better title for what we're talking about this morning and what I want you to take out the door with you this morning on this Christmas morning, right? We don't come in here just to check a box and say, I went to, to church on Christmas morning. No, I want to give you a message to be able to take out of here, something you can sink your teeth into, something you can hang on to, something you can make part of your life. So the question, I should have had this on a slide, but the question I want you to think about this morning is, what should I do with Christmas? What should I do with Christmas? Because I think we concentrate on, if we're truthful, I think we concentrate what we do at Christmas. 
Um, the most part, whether, whether people believe the story or not, we kind of all do the same thing at Christmas, right? And it goes something like this, you know, um, we, we eat at Christmas, right? we shop at Christmas, and we eat again. We decorate a tree, and then and we eat again. And then we gather with family so that we can, we can eat again, right? Sing Christmas carols, and we eat again. And no, Christmas is complete. You know, you probably fill in that own, your own blank there. You know, that Christmas is not Christmas unless, right? Maybe it's that you've got to watch A Wonderful Life. Or maybe you got to watch Elf and then, or the Charlie Brown Christmas special, and we're going to eat while we do that too, right? But people are genuinely concerned about um, that time, like almost between Christmas and New Year. That's the kind of time that we concentrate on this. Maybe Advent going into that. But what we really ought to be thinking about, what we really ought to be doing in our lives, is thinking about what we do between, between New Year's and Christmas. What do we do all year round? And I'm convinced, like I said, that we have it down pat what we do on or at Christmas. But most of us don't really know what to do with Christmas. What do I do with Christmas? And more importantly, um, what we should do with that love that came down at Christmas, that was promised in the Old Testament and fulfilled then. So in that gospel called John, written by a man named John, right, that walked with Jesus, the disciple that Jesus loved, um, that first chapter tells us exactly what we should do with Christmas. John chapter 1 tells us what we should do with Christmas. And as I warned you last night, let me just warn you again, um, this is not about mangers, stars, shepherds, angels. John's not concerned with, listen to me now, John's not concerned about the where of Christmas. He doesn't mention Bethlehem at all. He's not really even that concerned with the when of Christmas. You know, we date our calendar by that, but John just left that to Luke and Matthew, said, you guys handle that part. John is concerned with the two things we talked about last night, the who of Christmas, not, that, not Pete Townsend, Kelly, right? The who of Christmas and the why of Christmas, right? Unlike John, unlike Matthew and Luke, he doesn't look at uh, at the birth of the baby, he doesn't look at that primarily through the eyes of, of humanity, if you will. He looks at that birth that was promised a long time ago. He doesn't look at it through human eyes. He looks at, at it through the eyes of God. And what John is doing is he's telling us the story behind the story. Right? He's telling us the story behind the story. In Every Christmas Eve, or for the past several years, I stand up here while we're lighting the candles before we sing Silent Night. I read these verses to you because that's the story behind the story that John's given us. John chapter 1, verses, first five verses, I think it is. Um, depending on what version you're looking at, we're looking at about 65 words. But John gives us enough truth, enough theology about this um, New or Old Testament, this B.C., baby, we could fill up books to fill a library. I mean, 65 words could easily become 65,000 words to wrap our minds around what's going to happen here and what he's talking about here. I read one time about this verse in particular that never has so much been said in so few words. Never has so much been said in so few words. 
So this is the NIV version of John chapter 1, verses, I'm going to go 1 through 5, and we're going to break this down a little bit. So it says, in the beginning was the word, and that should already be lighting some flames in your head, some light should be firing off here. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made, without him nothing was made that has been made. Verse 4 says, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Here's where we see that Jesus has no beginning and no end. And I know that's a hard concept for our human minds to grasp, you know, and I don't want to tackle that so much this morning. Again, that's some place I was going this morning that I thought, you know, I'm going to save that a little bit later. We're going to kick that down the, the road a little bit, that can down the road a little bit. So this first section of John um, gives us the truth about the love that came down from heaven. I'm going to grab this Bible behind me here. Gives us the truth of the love that came down from heaven. In those first five verses, like I said, 65 words more or less, depending on which translation you're looking at, easily translates into 65,000 words when we really want to start breaking it down and really start explaining it and really start getting our teeth sunk into it. But it really comes to the conclusion in verse 14. If you take nothing else out of this morning, I want you to take John 1.14. This is where it says, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So when we start stacking some of these verses together, some of these concepts together, we see the Christmas story. Right? And really we see the Bible story. And we see it, as I say all the time, we see it as a love story. Better than any Hallmark Channel story, right? See the one about the one where the lady came back to her hometown? Oh, no, no. Yeah, well, that's a rerun. So I want to take a closer look this morning at a few of those verses in the book of John. And I want to do what the ancient rabbis said. You know, we had a whole series on this of turning the gem. Right? Those are some verses, like I said, you've heard them a lot, because I read them from the pulpit. I don't often go over there, but I read them from the pulpit on Christmas Eve for the past several years. But I want to turn that gem, those gems, those words that they give us, and um, let God reflect his light, his wisdom, and let that shine on us, maybe in a different way than we haven't seen it before. I want to start here in John 1, verse 1, just that first part. In the beginning was the word. Right? And Al, if we were in our Tuesday morning Bible study, I, I would ask the class, why is the word, the word, word, why is that capitalized? This is not talking about just any normal word in a sentence, and no, it's not just because it's important, right? It's because it's a proper noun. This is a title. It's not referring to something, it's referring to someone. And as we start reading through the book of John and start reading through that first chapter, those first 65 words, we start to understand that John is talking about Jesus. And those first three words, like I said earlier, should remind you of another verse in the Bible, the, you know, the very first one, in the beginning. It's referring back to when everything had a beginning, time, space, matter. But there's a major difference in these three words versus those first three words in Genesis. Um, the way they look here in John, it's, there's a difference. In Genesis, we're looking forward to the creation of humanity, to the creation of the world. 
in John, we're looking back at the presence of Jesus. Jesus, listen to me now. This is, I just want to word this very carefully. This is one of the things that I wrote down on my notes here. Jesus was not from the beginning. Jesus was the beginning. Jesus is the beginning. He had no beginning. And because he had no beginning, he was there before the beginning. Right? That word was, in the Greek language, is a verb that um, signifies uh, an action in the past that continues on into the future. An action in the past that continues on into the future. So we don't have an equivalent of that in the English language. Our verbs don't work the same way as Greek verbs work. But we can translate it this way. In the beginning, Jesus has been the word, is the word, and always will be the word. See why we need 65,000 words to explain these 65 words? How many words did I need to explain the word was, right? Has, is, will. All three in one. In other words, yes, Jesus had a birth here in Bethlehem, but he didn't have a beginning. But why does God use the word, word, as we turn that gem in our hands, why does God use the word, word, to express his love for us? I'll tell you the truth, it's a perfect way to, to describe who Jesus is. A word is a perfect way to describe who Jesus is. I just want to think about it for a, section, for a second. What is, what is a, a word, right? A word is, is a tool that we use to reveal things, to communicate things, and it's our thoughts. So a word, even though we can't see a word spoken, it's a visible expression of an invisible thought. Right? You know somebody's thoughts by the words that they're speaking. So we know what's going on because of words. You kind of are seeing what people are thinking by what they are saying. And then we go further and we talk about, there's two unique languages in the Bible, Hebrew and Greek, and we call them both picture languages. So we can picture those words, and that's what those, those languages are about. When you see a word, when you're reading something, you're supposed to have a picture in your head. So when we see the word, word, capital here, we're supposed to have a picture of Jesus in our heads. So God uses those words to communicate his love to his masterpieces, to us. And he expresses that love through one of the verses that, um, like I said, you know, in the beginning was all this. But then, and then Jesus comes down to earth and he starts to explain things himself. He starts to explain himself using words about himself. And that comes to a, a head in John 3.16. For God so loved the world. And I can't emphasize this enough. I mean, we all know this verse, right? There's probably, you can't think of a time in your life when you didn't know this verse. But did you know that Jesus is the one speaking these words about himself? Right? And we start thinking about it like that, it adds more. This is not Paul, this is not John, this is not Matthew. This is Jesus speaking these words about himself. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. He gave, right, his one and only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Full stop. Full stop. The reason we see this verse so much is because it carries so much weight. And I said the backstory is simple. And then it's complex. And then it's heartbreaking. And then it's heartwarming. All at the same time in this one verse. God so loved the world. 
heartwarming, right? Gave his one and only son, simple. Whoever believes in him shall not perish. It's starting to get a little complex here, isn't it? Right? But when we keep the gospel simple for where it is and what it is, it is a simple idea. And it's so simple that sometimes we have a hard time grasping it. Sometimes we have a hard time wrapping our mind around it because it is so simple. You're like, wait, that's it? Well, yeah. But then, you know, there's a little bit more that comes out. But that's it. Jesus is God's word. Jesus is the word of God's revelation, of God's thoughts. The physical, visible the expression of the spiritual ideas of the invisible God. He is, Jesus is, God's word of creation. God's word of salvation, we talked about last night. So the most important question, I'm going to give you two this morning. The most important question you will ever answer in your lifetime is, is this. Who is Jesus? Kind of tied that to do with what do I do with Christmas? Who is Jesus? You get that question right and everything else is going to be right. Sent down from God. As we saw yesterday in Matthew, I'm having a little trouble here, but as we saw yesterday in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, Jesus will come down to save his people. We get that right, and the rest of it's going to fall into place. And we've got to share and shine that light. Jesus as Lord of this world and this earth. And once you receive that light, you're supposed to witness about that light. Right? You're supposed to have your testimony about that light. Shine that light, reflect that light to those who are still living in you know, what we would say heartbreaking, spiritual darkness. Is, but then, you know, we put a little bit of light in that darkness, and that spiritual darkness starts to light up a little bit. And when we keep it simple, keep it simple. Anyone who believes in him, and what do we believe about him? That, yes, he came down to this earth, that Jesus came down to this earth. That's why we read First John, or the first part of John. In the beginning was the word. And then he came down and, and dwelt and lived, walked, breathed with us. And anyone who believes in him won't perish and will have everlasting life. Believing that he came down to be on that cross that's behind me here. Talk about that on Easter, but we've got to connect Easter and Christmas, otherwise the story doesn't make any sense. Otherwise that backstory just lays there and doesn't make any sense at all and there's no conclusion. But when we understand that he came to die on that cross and rise again on the third day, now we're starting to get it. Now we're starting to get it, to forgive those sins like we did last night with that rope, right? That communication, that lifeline that was severed is now completely healed and restored. So shine his light, reflect in those people. So now you know the question maybe that's coming. Who's that one in your life that needs to have a little bit of spiritual light shined in their life? Christmas is a great time to do that. Doors are open. Like I said, we all kind of celebrate Christmas the same way, whether we believe or not. Believers, non-believers kind of celebrate the same way. It's a great way to slip into a conversation about why Christmas is different for you, how that love came down. 
The one that lives in that spiritual desert, right? Needs the love of Jesus in their life, and you can be that light. You can be that love of God that has come down. So I just want you to think about that this morning. Who is Jesus, and who is your one to talk to? Amen? Okay, let's rise with me, please.